Chapter 20 A Critical Night for Michael 222 East Pleasant Street, Apartment 326, Evanston, Illinois, 10.30 p.m. Sharon slid her key into the lock of the eggshell-painted door with the number 326 displayed at eye level as Michael stood behind her. This is a pretty nice building for being so old. You can tell a lot of renovation work went into keeping it up to code. I like the ornate trim and cove molding at the ceilings. It's very distinguished. Yes, I looked for an apartment in this area because I like older buildings. There are more problems to contend with, but you can't beat the old-time construction quality for warmth and quiet. As she opened the door to her apartment, she reached around the corner and flipped on the wall switch that lit a table lamp sitting nearby. The apartment was very nicely decorated, but that was expected, considering Sharon was a decorator. The door opened into a living room area, which boasted hardwood floors covered with custom-designed rugs. The walls were painted a light gray with dark and light beige-accented ruled lines towards the top of the walls. The furniture featured a modern set of dark green leather pieces, including a couch, a loveseat, and an oversized chair. Glass tables could be found throughout the area, and very modernist works of art and oil paintings. Wow, you have very modern tastes for yourself. I can't believe that you were able to suggest the Victorian-style furniture that you did for my house. Decorating is based on the person that lives in the environment, Michael. I have to judge the person and then make a recommendation. I have different tastes for different rooms. Excuse me, I need to use the bathroom. I will be right back. Make yourself at home. Michael sat down on the leather couch and looked around the room. Much of the art hanging on the walls was very expressive and featured nude subjects. He walked around the living room area, inspecting the different suitably displayed articles, Sharon peeked out of the bathroom, where Michael could hear water running. I'm going to take a quick hot shower. I'm freezing. It won't take but a minute. There is coffee on the burner in the kitchen. Help yourself, she said, and ducked her head back inside. Michael walked toward the bathroom to ask where the extra car key was and noticed that the door was not entirely closed. He stopped and watched through the door opening as Sharon entered the shower. Michael could see Sharon's body image through the frosted shower doors as the steam rose out of the bathroom. He decided that he should just sit down on the couch and wait for Sharon to shower. Meanwhile, Sharon was in the shower, hoping that Michael would notice that she had purposely left the door slightly ajar. As the hot water streamed from the shower head above and caressed her body, she prayed that Michael would slide the glass shower door open and join her in the shower, wrapping his arms around her and taking her right there. She waited for a few minutes, and then a few minutes more. She came to the realization that Michael was either gay, stupid, or just not interested in a naked woman taking a shower. She turned the water off and grabbed a towel. She dried off with the towel and brushed out her still dry hair. She reached for her robe and then stopped. She picked the towel back up and wrapped it around her body and tied it evenly with the top of her breasts. Michael was still sitting on the couch, reading a book on decorating designs he found under an end table, wearing nothing but the towel that barely covered her body. Sharon walked over to the couch 
and sat next to Michael, still engrossed in the book he was reading. Well, I feel much better now. Sorry it took so long. No problem. I was reading this book and... He stopped and noticed that Sharon was clad only in a tiny towel. Um, where are the keys to the car? Sharon leaned over Michael's lap and turned the lamp off. The car will be fine tonight, Michael, but I could be better. Michael sat perfectly still, as Sharon's hands rubbed against his legs. He reached to turn the lamp back on, but Sharon stopped his arm by grabbing his wrist. She took his hand, brought it to her mouth, and licked his fingers sensually. I know we said we would just be friends, Michael, but people do have needs, sexual needs. It's just a night of sex. You don't have to marry me or even fall in love. I give you permission to use me as you desire. I don't expect anything in return. I just need to feel your body next to mine. I don't think I can do this, Sharon. I don't believe that this is right. What's wrong with two people sharing each other for the night, Michael? You're single. I'm single. You said that you do find me attractive. Don't I excite you? She said as her hand glided across Michael's lap and onto the crotch of his pants. Oh, well, I guess I do excite you, don't I? And just with a gentle touch, hmm. Wonder what might happen if I could add a little visual stimulation for your mind as well. With that, Sharon stood and untied the towel at her breasts. The towel fell away from her body, revealing her shapely and naked body. Michael remained perfectly still and tried to control his natural urges, but she reached for his hands and gently placed them on her hips. She sighed as she finally felt his touch. Putting her hands over Michael's, she slowly turned her body to the left while standing in place. He could now view her from every angle. As she completed a full turn, her hair flowed down the middle of her back and came to a point. Michael's eyes followed the arrow down her entire body. She was the most beautiful woman he had ever seen. He became extremely aroused as she moved his hands up from her hips, over her stomach, and onto her breasts. Michael took his hands away in a flurry and exclaimed, I can't do this. Sharon said not a word. She methodically turned toward him and held his left hand. She tugged on his hand as she began to walk away, and he followed her lead. As he walked behind her, he watched her body as it moved with fluidity down the hall. As she opened the second door on the right, Michael followed her into a room filled with darkness. Michael couldn't see well enough to identify his surroundings. As a match was lit and applied to a nearby candle wick, it was now apparent that they had entered Sharon's bedroom. Michael, genuinely afraid and confused, began to tremble slightly. He looked around the room and couldn't help but notice that the furnishings were identical to the Victorian bedroom set that Sharon selected for the festive lane house a mere four hours earlier. Sharon lay on the bed and struck a seductive pose as Michael watched the candlelight dance across her torso. Gliding her hands slowly over her body, she said, 
Come on, Michael, I won't bite, unless you're into that kind of thing. And she smiled. Michael took one step closer to the bed and saw the candlelight reflect in Sharon's eyes. As he looked, he realized that something was wrong. There was something in her eyes that he just didn't recognize, something he never saw in Ariana's eyes. He couldn't figure out what it was, but as he stared a moment longer, he realized what was missing. Sharon's eyes didn't have that distinct smarkle that was always present in Ariana's eyes. Sharon's eyes were void and empty. It sent a shiver down Michael's spine, and he stepped back. What's wrong, Michael? It's just sex. That's what's wrong. I don't have sex just to have sex. I make love, and to make love I have to be in love. I don't love you, Sharon, and as you've stated, you don't love me. I think I'd better leave. Good night, Miss White, Michael replied as he turned and exited the bedroom. The spare set of keys is on the table near the front door. Thanks for your help, friend, Sharon remarked sarcastically. Michael took the keys from the end table near the door. I'll call you when your car is ready. I'll have one of the guys come to pick you up. Night. He closed the door as he left the apartment. Sharon lay on her bed and cursed herself repeatedly. She leaned over the table next to the bed and turned on a lamp. She opened the drawer under the table and produced a small book. As she read the book's pages, she stopped at one page and scanned it up and down. Picking up a nearby phone, she dialed as she read a number from the book. Hello? said a male voice. Jimmy, hi, it's Sharon. Are you doing anything right now? The following day, 9 a.m., 148 Festive Lane. Michael took the spare set of keys for Sharon's car and opened the driver's side door. He reached down under the dash and pulled the lever that popped the hood. He removed the dead battery and installed the new one he purchased earlier that morning. The removal and installation of the batteries took only a few minutes. Michael got inside of the car and started it up immediately. That was the problem, all right. A worker walked in front of the car and shouted to Michael, Your lights are on. Michael reached for the headlight button and shut the light switch off. No wonder the battery went dead. He shut the car off and got out. He closed the hood and picked up the old battery off the cobblestone pavement. Guess I'll throw this in the trunk. He opened the trunk with the spare key and placed the battery inside. He noticed a new pair of jumper cables lying in the rear of the trunk. What a conniving woman. Then he looked closer and saw the unmistakable identification mark on the red plastic handle of the positive lead. M. Carter was written in black marker. And a thief as well. Michael took the cables and shut the trunk of Sharon's car. As he walked over to his pickup truck, Jimmy pulled up beside him in his car. Sharon was in the passenger's seat. New cables, Mike? asked Jimmy. No, I borrowed them to a friend. They have just been returned, Michael replied as he threw the cables into the truck's bed. Michael walked back over to Jimmy's car. Bending down on the driver's side of the car, he looked inside to see that Sharon was ignoring him and looking straight ahead. So I guess I don't have to send anyone to go and pick you up. Your car is fixed. Here's ten dollars change from the battery. It was on sale.
Michael said. Why don't you just keep it for a job well done, replied Sharon, who looked as if she hadn't slept all night. A job well done, well then. I believe this belongs to you, Jimmy, Michael replied as he slipped the folded up bill into Jimmy's shirt pocket and walked away. Jimmy smiled. Man, I must be living right. I spend the night with a beautiful woman, and before I even get out of my car for work, I make ten bucks. Sharon opened the door of Jimmy's car and got out. She slammed the door shut and looked inside the open window. Well, based on last night's performance, I'd say Michael overpaid you by about nine dollars. Thanks for the lift, Jimmy. As Sharon stormed back to her car, Jimmy yelled out his window. Hey, ten bucks to drive your ass over here is better than cab fare. I'll take it. Sharon started her car and laid rubber as she pulled away from the curb. As her car drove out of sight, Michael walked over to Jimmy. So, was she mad? Oh, big time. Here's your ten back, he replied. Thanks, Jimmy. Hey, thanks for calling me last night after she called you. No problem. She was going crazy. She was so frustrated. It was hilarious. Guess we should have told her I'm gay, huh? Jimmy replied as they both walked back to the house.